episode of, another episode of Whiskey on the Weekend, part two. Uh, we're recording on August 24th. Spencer, are you with us? Still here. DJ, what's up? Not too much. How's it going? And you still have Bree with you? Hello. I have not peaced out yet. Bree and then Boston Zone. Bleeds green. Levi Baxter, how are you? What up? <laughs> I feel like uh, Levi Bleeds Green Baxter is uh, his new nickname. Let's put that on a t-shirt. That's a nice alliteration there, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess before we get going, uh, BJ, anything you want to mention about pods going on in the Mangum Talks podcast channel? Yeah, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we're continuing with a bunch of short stories on Mangum Reads that we're uh, thoroughly enjoying. We spent almost an hour and a half talking about a one and a half page story that was quite a bit of fun. Um, and your wife uh, was fairly far into a cocktail that she had prepared, so it was uh, a riot. Um, but we have another couple of uh, short stories coming up, and then we'll be getting into another uh, full-length novel, um, which will be Station Eleven, because uh, we want to make Spencer relive the hell of uh, living in an airport for, for a couple of days. Um, because as you mentioned before on a podcast, Lee, that, that your wife readily picks on picks up on jokes um, and making Spencer relive things that that he doesn't particularly like is is one of our continuing ones and so she picked up on that immediately and uh, is leaning into it. I prefer she, to view I prefer to view it as kind of well-meaning form of exposure therapy and that's just how I'm accepting this going forward. Yeah, Sarah will get the bit pretty quickly. Yeah, I. <laughs> she made when you guys were recording it was like what was it like whiskey and champagne and a liquor it was like one of the heaviest cocktails yeah it was super heavy it was uh an adam and eve cocktail and and so the eve version had uh, a bunch of liquor and then some champagne and then and, um yeah there were a couple there might have been a couple of refills and, and things like that so uh it was a fun podcast yeah okay and then Spencer and I just finished up Chernobyl and Mangum Talks TV. We're now both uh, nuclear scientists, and we're going to fall into <laughs> succession. So we're going to be, um, you know, CEOs of large media organizations soon. So that's a lot of fun. All right. So Can actually, Lee, I have something I should share with you and Spencer. So I had to do radiation safety training for work, and it talks oh. about all the different, um, you know, monitoring systems and having dosimeters and all that. So I was was very amused, and I thought that you guys would uh, enjoy some actual information from people that actually are radiation safety uh, officers. No, I could, look, Bree, I could have saved you some time. I could have done that for you. <laughs> could have taught that course. Shucks. I'm looking, I'm looking at my laptop right now. My dosage chart I was using for the episodes I got from the XKCD comic, so that's about the, my range of knowledge right now. I read a lot of Wikipedia. A lot. Yes, yes, But anyway, yes, I had fun doing Chernobyl. That was a lot of fun, Spencer. It was. Yeah. Uh, okay, we just finished up part one where we did our own brand segment. Now we go to topics. Uh, I'll open it up. Does anybody have a topic you want to discuss? Um, I actually do. Uh, and this sort of came up on Mangum Reads, and I don't remember why it came up. Um, I don't know if it's in the actual episode, but we were talking about enjoyable experiences, and I feel like... I've sort of talked about this a little bit in the past with you guys, probably not on, on a segment, but 
um, what's a 10 out of 10 experience for you? And at some point I had mentioned that my definition was something that like I would go back to over a new experience, but that's clearly just a shitty definition in general um, because a lot of us enjoy new, new experiences. And so you'll probably choose something that isn't a 10 out of 10 that even if, if you know it's not like a 10 out of 10 experience because it's a new experience. And so um, that I've been convinced by a number of people, Spencer included, that, that the definition of a 10 out of 10 experience is something that you'd go back to over a new experience is just a bad one. Um, it's still sort of plays into things that um, I, I do with my life and, and that's a poor life choice that I make. But what's, you know, an experience, you know, food, vacation, travel, just some experience that you've had that you would say is a 10 out of 10 that you would recommend other people do without reservation um, or something that you look back on with fondness and something that you particularly enjoyed. Um, we spent an impressively long time discussing with Spencer the different milkshakes that he had in South America, which was a fascinating delve that felt like a weird, weird Wikipedia spiral. Um, and chicken nachos and milkshakes was Spencer's uh, uh, contribution to this. Yep, exactly. And so I figured I, we had to bring this up on a legitimate pod so we could get into this insanity that is chicken nachos and weird milkshakes. So I'll let people think for a second. I just have a recommendation for the pod going forward. I think we should do this as a video pod. And Bree, I think you should join every time because your facial expressions are adding a lot to the conversation. I'm really enjoying it. The, the, the look she shot you, I'm going to assume she shot it at you, Spencer, on chicken nachos and milkshake was pretty good. There's, there's a bit of an issue of framing going on there, but uh, we'll get to my story later on. I want to hear from other people first. Yeah, but. I'm sure there is an issue of framing. Um, I, I don't know why you say it's an issue of framing, because it is as insane, listeners, just, just prepare. Oh, it, is. it is as insane as you think it might be. Have I, have I not told any stories from my trip to Costa Rica with you guys before? Just know. like you're living next to uh, a famous boxer in New Jersey for like a year and a half. Like there are loads of segments of your life that you just, oh, I, I thought I told you guys about this weird thing that happened that also maybe may have some framing that, that is, you know, maybe a little bit out there. But in, in the, the telling of the details, it's like, okay, that, that makes a little bit more sense. And that is on brand for Spencer. A famous boxer? <laughs> a little bit of an understatement there. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, you know, North Carolina, we had a guy drafted in 1985. A little bit of a good basketball player. <laughs> um, okay, well, BJ, do you have one to get going? I'm, I'm kind of having to write my brain. Uh, BJ, if you want me to start, I can, I can go through that. Uh, I, I can jump well, in. Um, I, I was going to say, maybe we should take you for last answer because we're just going to go down a rabbit hole. Exactly. So I have two 10 out, of, 10 out of 10s. One of those is a nostalgic uh, 10 out of 10. So, Spencer, I'm going to support you. The uh, watermelon milkshake at the new quality ice cream in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, is a 10 out of 10. Shout out. Yep, that is good. That is a 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> it is a seasonal made with actual watermelon milkshake, which 
it's nostalgic to me. It, that just brings me back to sort of growing up, be, being a young child, having that nice little treat on a summer day. Uh, it is it is spot on. Now I know objectively it's probably okay. Um, that, no, it's really good. I, I, I think it is, but of course myself. Um, I know Sam, my girlfriend, has, has has tried it, and she she agrees that it's pretty good, but not like to the ten out of ten that I'd place it. Um, mm-hmm. So. That's my first one. I was going to say, if we're going to do milkshakes, I actually do have like a 10 out of 10 milkshake story, which is kind of weird. Um, but, but maybe uh, we can have a, a trend. Um, the other 10 out of 10 is uh, there is a, 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 a cabin in New Hampshire, which is my happy place. That is a place that, that I, I prefer over every place on, on the earth that I've gone to. Um, Hashtag on brand. No Human no contact people. and people, well, there, and it's nice and cold. There are a few people there. Um, it, it is it is a, a covenant that owns the area, and there are six people on a lake that's probably... Um, a covenant that owns the area? That's what they call it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but A cult? Basically. Um, but like six people on a lake, um, or six houses on a lake, rather. Um, the lake's probably... I'm trying to guesstimate acres in my head. It's probably, I don't know, um, 300 yards across each ways. I mean, okay size lake. Not not a massive. Lake. Not super big, but, you know, not not a puddle. It, it's not a puddle. It's one of those ones that if you're going to swim across, like, you'd have to commit to swimming across the cold lake. Um, you're not going to have a motorized boat on it. You'll have, like, a little boat or something like that. Yep. So there's the canoe there. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, but this place is like just so serene, so quiet, so nice. Temperatures is acceptable. It's a place that Sam and I have gone for 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 two years in the past. Um, but it 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 unfortunately has. It, it was previously in her uh, a friend of a family's. They owned it. Um, they've gotten rid of it. They did offer it to us. So if we had 400k um, handy for a vacation home um, in New Hampshire, we could have could have purchased it and I would have owned my happy place, but unfortunately it didn't work out for our, our sort of placement in life um, at the time living in North Carolina. But I feel like this is a big disappointment in your life. Like this is going to be a continuing like oh, no, thing in, uh, on your uh, soul. Well, a hundred percent. It made zero sense to, to, to purchase a home when we we're renting an apartment in North Carolina. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, you know what's going to happen. Levi's gonna, Levi, you're going to continue to make more and more money, and you're going to get to a point where you could easily buy it, and then you're just going to randomly knock on that door one day. Hey, come back to the place. No, nope, it ain't for sale. Shit, it ain't for sale. I'm buying it. <laughs> it's America, baby. Everybody has a price. Would you sell it for $10 billion? Yes? Okay, so now it's that negotiating price, right? <laughs> okay, that's a good one. So that, those are my 10 out of 10s in life. One, one sort of experiential, the other one being a food-based. So, BJ, I'd love to hear your 10 out of 10 uh, milkshake, uh, which you're giving Spencer endless amounts of shit for. So I mean, I am. So it was very weird. Yeah. Um, so this is, again, like really sort of a nostalgia um, as yours was. Um, and actually, I'll probably get Lee somewhat interested in this as well. Um, and, and, and bring in Spencer too, cause this was in Florida. Um, so I was on a family vacation with my, uh, mother and grandparents and, um, we were going to visit, uh, a primate sanctuary or something like that. I, it, it was a, a, 
uh, sort of a reverse zoo where there was cages, like a caged walkway for people. And the primates and and I think pretty much all monkeys were could had a much larger area of reserve that they could be in, and like you could buy you know treats to them for and food for them and like put it in these little cups and they'd like pull up a chain to like eat out of the cup and and you could feed them uh, different things and I just remember on the way down uh, to visit this there was a stand by the side of the road or something that was making strawberry milkshakes. And these were just the most delicious strawberry milkshake that I will ever have because I'm sure nostalgia is coloring that and also being a young child and getting, you know, this really fresh strawberry treat and it was stupid hot out because this was almost definitely the summer and just like everything coming together well for um, just having this be like the the perfect strawberry milkshake, um, and I just remember it being super good. And we then went to this primate sanctuary, and then on the way back we stopped yeah, you... again and got another uh, strawberry milkshake. Um, so that's my my milkshake ten out of ten that doesn't exist, and I'm pretty sure one of the uh, hurricanes made the uh, primate sanctuary obsolete. So um, don't say, it, say that. Hmm. Don't say that. That's okay. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you've but, been on the perfect but, Spencer Lee vacation, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> milkshake treat, and I get to go watch some primates. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can have milkshake while we're at the primates, I'm gold. Yeah, Perfect. sure. Um, and so I think the other one is going to be a little bit also food and a little bit also uh, catering to the person next to me. Um, but... When we had gone to Belgium, there is a, it's also it's called uh, Cancio. It they make Guza uh, style beers. They're similar. To, they're it's a lambic style, um, and they've been in operation for uh, over a hundred years, and basically been brewing with the same process for. Uh, that amount of time and there's a tour that you get to go on and see all the equipment that basically is exactly the same for the past hundred or so years and they're using this the same yeast which is essentially wild yeast from the surrounding area and everything about that you get to go through this whole spiel and see all the stuff and then they have uh, bottles that have been sitting and aging for, you know, a couple of years, and you get to just sit and try it, and they put it in these baskets and just get to really enjoy the whole experience. And hashtag on brand for me, it's sort of in an interesting neighborhood, shall we say. Um, that, you know, it's relatively near a uh, stop on the public transportation. I believe that was the stop that was in the news a couple of years ago for having some sort of issue. Um, and uh, But it is just a really wonderful experience overall. It's probably the 10 out of 10 beer tasting experience that uh, I've had that's just about, you know, just above the going to... Um, another place in Belgium that's a monastery that's been brewing the same beer for the past couple hundred years and been named the top 
uh, beer in the world, uh, you know, a handful of years, but this place sort of in the middle of nowhere in Brussels um, just was the 10 out of 10 experience for that. Uh, highly recommend. Well, the atmosphere was phenomenal. Exactly. The atmosphere, the like history, small, the culture, everything about it. You know, intimate setting where you could drink beer in peace, which was just fantastic. Sounds awesome. It is highly recommend. Um, and I was going to say, before we turn over the next uh, of 10 experience, we should do another whiskey and enjoy that experience, too. Let's do it. Okay, so the next whiskey um, is the one we probably figured it out, the one with no tape. So let's pour it. And I gave away, I buried the, kind of gave away the lead in part one. This is another Japanese whiskey. Very pleasant. Mm-hmm. Spencer. I haven't tried it yet. One sec. How do you want spot? Uh, I just really enjoyed the really fruity smell coming off it, actually. No. No? No. Do you, Barney? Is that your your review? Is is no? No. That's what I'm offering so far. Yeah, give me a second as I sip, as I sip more. Okay. Well, I'll say what I think about it. I like it okay. Um, not a lot of depth of flavor. BJ said pleasant. I think that's about right. It's um, it's a lighter whiskey for me, so it's something that like if I was outside, it was a little warmer, like I probably have, but uh, definitely don't like it as much as the first one. Yeah, I don't think it has the the complexity that the first one has, um, or the interest, and the the finish just really you can feel the alcohol in it where the uh, previous one was a little bit more full bodied and I feel like well aged. This one just doesn't have that same feel where at the end of the the sip and the taste you just still have that alcohol feel and uh, scents in your mouth and sort of like coming out your nose as you taste it. I feel like this is a candidate for like a high-end cocktail. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can picture this mixing well with maybe something else, but as you said, BJ, all I'm really detecting out of this is the alcohol. I'm not getting the same kind of rich flavor that I enjoyed with the other one. I'm I'm not getting much flavor at all. It is, uh, it's got, it has, I enjoyed it. It's almost like a fruity smell coming off it, but I'm getting... I don't know if it's just that it's higher alcohol content or just not, as you said, aged as well. But all I'm really getting out of this is the, is the flavor and taste of alcohol, and that's just not what I really enjoy. So I agree with Spencer on the back end, but on the front end, I do get some flavor. Levi. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of something there. Um, I can't quite place what the flavor is on the front. Very fleeting. Yeah, yeah, it's very light, I guess is the positive frame of that. Um, the negative frame is that there's not much there. Um, but yeah, I, I would agree that this is a, a very good quality um, mixing whiskey um, or something that you can have maybe with a, a glass of, you know, a, a, a cube of ice um, on a summer day or something like, like yeah. that. It's, it's very sort of nice and, and, and pleasant, but not much there. Mm-hmm. So it actually reminds me of yesterday we went to 
right. a local grocery store, and they were offering tastings of different fruit-flavored water, and this kind of reminds me of that. Fancy alkaline water yeah. that just has, like, hints of flavors. Very like, it's just not, it's not there enough to, like, enjoy the flavor. It's just, like, okay, that, that had a little bit of, like, cucumber in the mint. Okay. Faintly. It's something, it's something I would sip on, like, a porch. It's a porch whiskey. Mm. <laughs> what is this? Interesting category. <laughs> uh, so what it is, is it's Suntory whiskey, mm-hmm. and it's, the, um, it's their Toki. So um, price point on this one is about $35. It doesn't surprise anyone to know that the, the Nico whiskey, the Takatsura that we had, was about $75.80. That seems that seems to be the right price point. I, I will say that I feel like um, Japanese whiskeys came out at price points that made sense for them. Like they they sort of knew the market well before going into it. Where I feel like there are some bourbons that are just like we're going to charge sixty seventy five dollars for this, and it's just it's just not there. And then there are some that's just like oh you know well. You know, we'll be in the $30 range because, you know, that seems reasonable. Um, and it's just, this is a really good whiskey for that price, where I feel like a lot of the Japanese whiskeys, like, there is a market for them, and, and so they're sometimes really bought up. But, like, the price point makes sense for what it is a lot more. And and that's probably, I guess, in my mind, because they came in a little bit later to a very established market. And when it was also somewhat saturated by both American and Chinese uh, consumption. I think that's fair. I think that the the Takatsuru from the Nika whiskey, um, I feel like that's a really good value for 75 bucks because I I find that to be a really good whiskey. That would be in my top three we've done this entire program. I really enjoyed that version quite a bit. I'd easily pay $100 for that. Wait a year or two. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Um, who wants to go next? Uh, I was going to say it's, it's you, and then then we get to go to the uh, whirlpool of of insanity that is Spencer. Unless Bree would like to take part. Are you just saving off your destruction here? Yeah, I need to I need to build up to people laughing at me. It takes a certain degree of conditioning first. I'm sorry. You should, you should be fit. I am, but you You've know. You've had some practice. Come on now. Even most experienced athlete has to stretch before they go on the full race. Sorry, Spencer. All right, I'll go. Um, so I've got two. Um, the first was a Viking River cruise that Sarah and I took on the Rhine River mm-hmm. from Basel to Amsterdam. Um, Hashtag I, NPR on Brown. Yeah, it's not cool. It's, it's a planned trip. You're not out on your own. But that's the beauty of it is that it's so easy. Everything is done for you. And if you really want to like mentally relax, which is what I want to do on vacation, I want to just kind of clear my head, check out, no stress. It's perfect for you. Because I was going to say, we have, talked about, uh, we have talked about uh, Mangum uh, Cruise, and I feel like that would be the more interesting style rather than like a – Caribbean cruise or something like that, like a Viking river, you know, go to a handful of cities or, or something along those lines. 
Yeah, um, the boat itself is, is probably much smaller than you would think, although everything is really, really well designed. There's only about 100 people on the cruise, which made all the excursions pretty manageable because it'd be like two main excursions during the day. And you had about a third of the group that didn't go on them. And then you kind of split between the other two. So you end up with 20, 30 people in your group going on an excursion out in whatever town that we've we've uh, gone to port in. And it's really well done. Um, uh, what I found was interesting is that the tour guides that we used, that was their job. That they're full-time tour guides and full-time employees with Viking River Cruise at every stop. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool. Yeah, cool. And every excursion had a food element in it and some an alcohol element too. So um, you'd usually like leave at like 10 o'clock, you'd have lunch somewhere interesting, you're back two, three, you relax and you have dinner. Um, and if you go get the drink package because it's a hundred bucks, uh, seven days and it's all you can drink and they have like really, they have like, 18-year McAllen, so uh, I drink a lot of that. <laughs> Good valuation. Yeah, and the second is one that's going to make Levi's eyes roll. And this is not, this is really one that's like, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. I'm not sure it would be for anybody else. But when I lived in, in D.C., like, I've talked to you guys about it before, I didn't know a lot of people, um, and I, wor- I was working a lot. So what I would do is I would go to the National Zoo, and I developed a bond with an orangutan. So I'd go, and I would sit, and this orangutan would come up. Usually not right away he'd start connecting with me, but after about 30, 40 minutes he would. And then he, we got to a point where if I lifted my arm, he'd lift his arm. <laughs> I lifted this, I'd go like this and shake, and he would do it. And then every once in a while I'd do something silly, I'd go like this, and then he would just go, <laughs> And we, this happened like two or three times, and, and one time that happened, and there was like a little kid there, and he caught on to what was going on. And that was probably this sequence of events in my life the most fun. Because here I, I'm interacting with an orangutan, and some kid is howling next to me watching what's going on. It's a lot of fun. So that's such a, that's a really uh, fond memory I have. I don't know that it translates to other people, but for me it was a 10 out of 10. You are a psychopath. That was pretty cool. For 30 or 40 minutes, you're sitting there in front of a orangutan. Well, I would sit there a couple of hours. Jesus Christ, Terry. Lisa, you, have to, you have to observe the primates if you're going to learn about their behavior. And, say, and, and Levi would know about, you know, psychopathic behavior. So, <laughs> so this is a serious thing. Lee, interesting question. If, if we provided you a grant to do so, would you go recreate Jane Goodall's explorations? No. I lay, I, God bless Jane Goodall, but she started, in my opinion, multiple chimpanzee wars because she was feeding them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that screwed up their local ecosystem. And then they got very territorial about who got the bananas from her and who didn't. Um, so I, I don't, the way she did that, in the, it was in the, the Gombe Forest um, mm-hmm. and starting in the 70s and actually goes on today. I don't think it was particularly well done. And I think she'd probably tell you that herself. Now, if you gave me a grant to just go be a primatologist. Yes, yeah, that that's, actually, that's actually how I met yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I feel like that's how we met it. But the other thing is like, I would love to hear your like social commentary slash like war reporting on like warring chimpanzee tribes or something like that 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 would just be like i would tune in week after week for that because i feel like that would just be like the best of all times and it's just like following the big male there was a there was an excursion last night you know you know the tribe a you know they sent out a party of four and and they went they had a raiding party into, in you know, 
the, this other tribe a little bit to the west of them, and they did it on the cover of night. They're really, you know, doing an impressive job of trying to hide their tracks, but, uh, you know, do some reasonable amount of foraging, and, and just, like, week after week. I, I, like, well, what I you're describing, so what you're well, describing exists. Uh, with the, Go- the multi-year Gombe Chimpanzee War in the, uh, in the 70s, people did. I mean, the Jingaro folks were there. They yeah. watched this all happen. And so they have a whole narrative of, okay, this is when this battle took place. This is when this murder took place. Uh, that that wow. was actually one of the books that, that Levi has given me of uh, uh, the origins of, of violence coming from, from primate, uh, primate research. And it was sort of one of the... Levi, you've given me some very interesting books, and it's also really funny because they're almost all like 10, 15 years out of date on like a lot of the science, which sort of, I wonder if that was like intentional. It's like, I know this is going to be really interesting, but also bother him. Uh, on a regular basis, and that's why you know you gave me that book, Terry. Um, because no one else has brought it up, um, your 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 dislike of them of Jane Goodall disrupting the local ecosystems and local economies is really interesting, given the work for a company that distributes USAID grants. Um, but we can move on from that. That's. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a really really. I mean, you, I know you're trying to take a shot at me because you're not happy with the monkey talk, <laughs> but that was a bit of a stretch, <laughs> giving people giving people medicine who are dying, um, as opposed to handing out food. Which, by the way, just fun fact, Levi, apes spend about sixty percent of their waking time foraging and finding food. So if you give them food and they don't have that they don't have that to do, they get bored. And then what do they do? Start beating each other up. So shout out me for knowing that, Spencer. What up? Oh, doing me now? Yep. Okay. Uh, I'll do a couple lead-in to the story BJ's already leading into. But, uh, BJ, you originally framed this as what was your 10 out of 10 video game. That's what you originally... Yeah, so that that was the original uh, thing because it was something that I had seen on uh, Reddit and we have played so many video games and that's a continuing theme in our group. And I, it was something that, you know, I feel like we've been missing because... Uh, we should just haven't been doing that as much anymore. And, and it made mm-hmm. me think about that. And then it spiraled out of control. And I like how you're trying to bury the lead um, as, as much as you possibly can. I'm working off things that have already been provided. Get them, BJ. My 10 out of 10 video games to work off that one to start would be, you guys know, I'm pedantic. I, I get my most joy about it sharing things I know and enjoy with other people. And so for me, the perfect video game is one that I can take somebody that I is a friend or hasn't played video games before and set them down and have them enjoy it with me. Portal. And for me, the original Portal is perfect. The original Portal is the perfect game for anybody who enjoys video games or has never played video games before. I've Any person I've ever said, hey, how about you try this, has not been just played through it for several hours and had a blast. It's perfectly structured. It's a perfect length, only about four, and five, four or five hours long. It's wonderfully darkly humorous and provides a fun degree of gameplay. So I would put that as perfect games because... It is the most open doors game you could ever find. Or I've never failed to find somebody who's, whether they've enjoyed games for years before, never even picked up a controller before, who hasn't tried that and had an absolute blast going through it. So, so is the an experience, uh, the group of us watching Adam trying to play Portal and, and getting a, up into all kinds of difficulty? Because I feel like there's a specific experience, because I do remember like the group of us. Yes. Watching so, him go through that. What did Adam have difficulties with? Everything. 
<laughs> but we thoroughly enjoyed it, and we just yeah, had a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Spencer, I, I, I co-sign your opinion generally, um, not universally, because my mother, she she did not have a good time playing Portal. No. Uh, no. You tried, though? I tried. I tried my best, and she just, two levels in, was like, you know what? I can see the appeal, but not for me. And I, I, like I feel like that will harken back to a previous segment that I have, You Come By It Honestly, which is the, uh, I can see that appeal, but no, it's not for me. That That is a very you thing, Levi, right there. Uh, that's your Harry Potter take, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, Lee, you broached like ten kind of vacation moments, just a brief one for me. Uh, every year I go up to see my parents and my um, sister and brother-in-law, and we just go to a beach house on the coast of North Carolina. And I've, I've been doing that since with my family for as long as I can remember. And my constant moment that I always look forward to is I'll wake up one day and say, today I will build a drip castle. And I just spend a whole day out on the beach, sitting in the surf, building a drip castle. And that's just utter simple bliss to me. Delightfully relaxing. It's a fun experience to see how big and massive a complex I can build before the surf comes in. And I always look forward to it. Any trip I go to see my family in North Carolina, it is just part of the experience that I've always built in ever since I was like three years old. And that's a ten, always a 10 out of 10 vacation experience to me of just a little simple moment of bliss. You are the sweetest boy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. It's no, really I, one that always comes to mind of where that is just go, that is that is a very coming home moment of realizing today I will build a drip castle and something I always look forward to. As for the story that BJ referenced um, about I guess six or so years ago now, I went on a family trip to Costa Rica with Bridget and the rest of my family from North Carolina, and we had a absolute blast. I had no knowledge of Costa Rica before and didn't realize what a wonderful country it is, how friendly everybody was, how incredibly diverse the various areas you can go to are, where you rapidly move from just straight mountainous volcanic landscape to tropical rainforest to the middle of a freaking desert on a one-hour car drive. And it was a lot of fun to go and do that. What I wasn't expecting when I visited Costa Rica was that I would have my 10 out of 10 culinary experience in foods that I would not think were representative of Costa Rican cuisine. Um, the same place we stayed at was kind of a mountain overlooking a much more drier desert kind of area. Nice place. Um, but we had a lot of free time to ourselves. And Bridget and I decided to just walk through the local town. And we got kind of hungry and decided to stop at an Italian place, which I don't know why we decided we were going to eat Italian food in Costa Rica, but it was there and it's me. Um, we went in, had a wonderful meal, and we saw when we pulled up the dessert menu that at the end of it there was pretty much nothing but like 20 different kinds of milkshake. And that intrigued us because we'd never see, hadn't seen that before outside of like steak and shake. And they were all different kinds of fruits. And so we just ordered two or three milkshakes and ordered two or three more and then went and got my parents and brought them back for dinner for the sole purpose of us having more milkshakes at this place. And Thereafter, every single restaurant we went to, we would get different and incredible milkshakes because we'd suddenly discovered the national drink of Costa Rica is apparently the milkshake. And every place we went to was new and more exciting varieties and new and more exciting flavors, and it was just great. And so we ended up at a beach resort at Manuel Antonio, and we were walking to there to the wonderful national park there where we Bridget spent like two hours looking at the same sloth, but it was really a lot of fun. And... As we were walking there, we thought we were going to stop at. Yeah. Um, 
the howler monkeys were anno- very annoying. They were right outside. They were about 200 yards from where, where we were staying, and they will wake you up at 6 a.m. every morning to, to just greet the day. They throw poo at you? What? They throw poo at you? No, they just have a pitch that will pierce any form of soundproof glass whatsoever and reverberate around the room you're trying to sleep in. But uh, we was walking with my sister and brother-in-law and Bridget, and we were all hungry, so we decided we'd just stop at the first restaurant we saw. And we stopped at the kind of beach beach restaurant that every single beach has, you know, the place that has all the license plates up on the walls and has Jimmy Buffett, in this case, playing in Spanish, always just going in the back room. Um, and we were like, okay, it's the most touristy possible place on the beach. We'll just get a little bit, we'll, we're here to get milkshakes. We'll get some milkshakes and maybe we'll get a little bit of food while we're there. So we ran the milkshakes and we looked at the menu and it's like, okay, uh, this four of us ordered a plate of chicken nachos. And having no expectations for what this would be. And we're sitting up on the balcony. It's a beautiful area. We're having a very nice day. And they bring out this plate of chicken nachos that is about three, it's about three feet square in terms of the plate that they bring out, about two feet high piled in terms of just the amount that is brought out to our table. Ew. And they sit down. And I'm looking at this going, okay, this is going to be soggy. This is going to suck. All right, fine. We, we already ordered it. We ate it. And we were all full, but we enjoyed it so much we immediately order a pl- another plate just because we want to taste it more, even though we don't think we can eat it. It was the single most delicious plate of nachos, one of the finest just enjoyments of food experiences I've ever had, of where they mixed in, I don't even know how many different different series of food groups into this plate of chicken nachos, varieties of different vegetables and fruits, beans. Chicken cooked in various different kinds of ways put into this. We immediately ordered another plate, and then at every single restaurant we went to afterwards for the remaining four days of that trip, we kept ordering nachos because we just wanted to find a similar experience again. We just wanted to get that same kind of high we got from just that one plate of nachos we got at a random beachside resort. We never found it. We never even got close to rivaling it. And I have a hard time enjoying any kind of similar nacho chip chips into thing experience since just from how good that was for how much we as a group universally enjoyed the degree that even though we could not eat anymore we wanted another plate just so we could taste it a little bit more before we left chasing that dragon at very much that it was a weird kind of experience of where we just all universally finished it and immediately agreed we're ordering another plate just because we didn't want it to stop spencer you are you are like a child at heart if ever i've heard it some experiences in milkshakes, building a sandcastle, and nachos. It's really the simple things in life are the ones that I enjoy the most. The simple things and the things I get to share are just the moments of delightful peace among the tumult. Uh, another thing that jumps out to me about your Costa Rica story is like, to me, it's like, oh, that's what people who don't drink do on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> they get milkshakes. <laughs> Very true. Right there. I feel like milkshakes like are a recurring theme in your life. Wasn't there like a didn't you go to a malt shop as like one of your like eating burgers and sipping from the same like strawberry malt or something like that with two straws and just like the big glass thing is like your your favorite date with Bridget or, or something like that? You asked me what my last night out with Bridget was ah, on the yes. podcast. And I said that we there was a local burger joint of where we ordered a couple burgers and a couple, a couple shakes that we shared between ourselves as we sit next to the jukebox, cuddled up, reading a Kindle together. And that was just what happened. 
No, like, you said you went to bed at like 4.30 in the morning, and we said what events led to you going to bed at 4.30 in the morning? You are morning? correct. Sorry. And part of it was going out for burgers and milkshakes. You, you think you like, didn't you like ask for an account of what I did for the 12 hours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what Maybe the heartburn story came out. I feel like that would make sense. And, and that, yes, milkshakes are a recurring part of our time we join together. Okay. So I just, I just, this is a burning question, Spencer. But the session of milkshakes and nachos and just this, what it sounds like a disaster of a plate. I just, as a veterinarian, I have to ask, how was the fecal consistency after all of this? Oh God, no, <laughs> no, no. We only go so blue on our. Very good question. Very good question, Spencer. Um, answer. Uh, nothing good. And at the time, I did not put two and two together as to why I was suffering from such pain for the major part of the trip. I just assumed it was a result of the travel rather than the diet I was voluntarily choosing for myself on this vacation. So I feel like your diet, uh, maybe this is just when you're not at home and eating your uh, four-gallon pots of stew. Um, your diet on vacation is fascinating. Like when I come to see you guys or what in general? Yeah, like when you come to see us or like, you know, we go to some store or uh, like Rite Aid or something like that and the snacks you'll pick out for yourself and, and just start like gnawing on as as you do with pizza crusts and just like the weird like uh, the kid in a candy shop style things like I, I could 100% see you just getting like a bunch of Slim Jims like some Jolly Ranchers and like a f- couple of fruit by the foot and just being like, well, this is going to be my lunch. Uh, BJ, I'm going to tell you something now. Mm-hmm. On a recent drive of where I, where I left very early in the morning and I need certain degrees of food to help keep me awake as I drive along with the guy and whatever else. Yeah, once you've put on I your shoes. I got and... Slim Jims, Jolly Ranchers, and Pringles. You're two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> Pringles, that sounds right. You are a sweet boy, Spencer. I appreciate that, Lee. I'm going to put that on a T-shirt and send it to you. Spencer, the sweetest boy. I think just like I'm a sweet boy uh, on That's a T-shirt. Cool. Like, it's, it's, yeah, it's the way I to go. Like, with I, live right next to Wilton, I live right next yeah. to Wilton Manors, which is one of the most, by per capita most gay communities in the world. I don't want to walk around with a shirt saying I'm a sweet boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, that's signals crossed. <laughs> no, he really just means I like hamburgers. <laughs> All right. Do you want to cover another topic or wrap it up? What is what's uh, group thinking? I was going to say, Lee. I feel like you always have uh, some discussion for for the podcast. And I, I do. I've got one. Entertaining. Um, so this is a. I'm asking the group. What's the one thing in your life that you know you spend too much money on for what it is, but you're totally cool with it? You're like, no, this is this is my decision, and I'll go first just to kind of give a sense of what I'm talking about here. So for me, it's electronics. I'm these. I'm a weird first adopter, right? I got the Apple Watch like two weeks in. If there's a new iPhone, I go get it immediately. I've got like three laptops, um, two tablets. I know it's ridiculous. I don't need is all it this. electronics in general, or is it specifically Apple products? No, I mean the com- computer. I have. I I use Microsoft computers. Um, so I got. I'm using a Surface Pro right now. Uh, but I don't know. I I just I, I've always been fascinated with the newest technology, and if uh, something comes out, I find it interesting. I get it. I got a smart TV in like forever ago. Yeah, that's mine. I know I spend too much money on it, but it's just something that I'm like, you know what? That that's a thing where I'm going to I'm going to burn money. 
And I know it, but it's, it brings me that much joy. Now, Spencer, I fully expect you to sit this one out. I, I got one. You know, with the spending money happy. thing. I got one in mind that'll make you happy. Is it scuba diving? No, no, it's gonna make Lee happy. Uh, rent. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck you, Spencer! I feel like your rent is probably like comparable to mine. Uh, how much? How much you pay in rent a month? If we're willing uh, to put this on the podcast. Close to two thousand. The same thing. Ooh. Plus the my mortgage. Wait, you pay the same thing as in like you each pay two thousand? No, no, no. But sorry, okay. our house is two thousand. You individually. I, I hate you. So, like, well, I'd have to live in Florida. So that that. Or have a roommate. Both Spencer, purgatories that I'm not willing to put up with. But Spencer, real talk. There's nothing that you indulge in that you know. Okay, I'm probably spending a little too much on this. Uh, I'd say. Can I go next? Because I need to think about it for a second. Yeah. Video sure. games. I really don't buy that many more, and I wait till they're on sale. So no, it doesn't count. <laughs> So for me, um, I will pay a premium for a car that feels nicer. Um, That's a good one. I, I don't know that look. That look is between uh, Bree and BJ, um, but I like it. Um, yeah, I, I will pay a premium for that um, and and feel entirely comfortable with that. And in fact, so so Sam and I we we moved to Boston. We have one parking space in our building. And I'm renting another one. It's a couple, you know, three three blocks away or so. Um, and we may go down to one car because we don't need it. We we live in a city. We can walk to things. There's no need for it. Um, but I really, I, I've been I've been trying for the past few months, just playing the seed of like, hey, boo, you know, my car is nicer. It feels more comfortable. It's more spacious. It's better. Keep keep this car, even though you pay an obscenely low amount um, per month for the car. Uh, I just, I'll pay the premium for that. I'm, I'm okay with that. That that makes sense, and I will say this about you, Levi. You keep your car in good condition, too. It's always a pleasant thing to ride in. You always have it clean. There's not crap everywhere. Well, I, I don't have, like, boxes of McDonald's like you. Um. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very dated comment. We, I know. I, I know. It, it was true seven or eight years ago, but no, I don't do that anymore. Like it was a decade ago, yeah. It was insane. Um, just getting in your car, you'd have you know random bags from McDonald's and just like stuff. That old like, fusion. Yeah, I still have the fusion, it's but it's clean. It, it, it clean really, or just clean for you? No, it's clean. I, I have to keep my car clean because I never know when like ever, people want to go out for lunch. Ooh. And as the manager, a lot of times people expect me to drive. And the last thing I need is like one of my staff members getting in and seeing a bag of McDonald's on the floor. Like you just like having to like shove the McDonald's <laughs> trash aside so they can sit down. Yeah. Not so good luck. I keep it clean. I like it, Lee. Jay, do you have one or ten? Uh, yeah. Um, so so there are definitely things in the past that that I would say, uh, but less so the case now. Um, uh, it, it definitely used to be books, um, and I, Levi can attest to this, that, that I had probably like at least 50 or 60 books when we were in uh, Mangum together in, in the dorm room that, that I would go through and read. Um, but that's fallen a little bit by the wayside now that I'm a little bit more of an adult and have a Kindle and things like that. Um, but I'd say currently probably... Um, alcoholic beverages in general, like whiskey and beer and things like that. Um, I probably have 
20 to 30 bottles of wine that are sitting on a rack right now. Um, probably a little bit more than $1,000 in whiskey in my cabinet. That's this, spread about. Is, this is BJ's segment right here. This is time to shine. <laughs> Um, and, um, uh, probably going out to like restaurants in general. Um, I, I think one of Levi's like hashtag on brand for BJ is, uh, like the restaurants that I'll go to. And it's like, I'll just take one of everything. I'm like, what do you mean? One of everything. Yeah. Uh, and and that's something that I would do like as a student, not even like this was before, like I had like an, a, a normal paying job at least to a certain extent, but it's just like, that's what I would spend my money on. And then probably a little bit more recently, um, uh, knives, uh, like folding knives. I've just been <laughs> spending like way more money than is at all reasonable. And it's like, ah, I didn't really like this one. I'll just give it to Levi. I don't really want it in my house. And, and so stuff like that has been, been happening. So, um, out of the many examples, I think those are the most, uh, entertaining and, and interesting. And relevant. Um, and relevant. So uh, particularly for this podcast, like there was uh, probably this New Year's we'll be doing it. There was a series of Jim Beam whiskeys, um, and hopefully they, they continue on to recover from the disaster that happened recently, but of the different mash bills that and then treated the same. And so I just like wandered into uh uh, liquor store nearby and I was like oh I should get these at some point and then like uh, about a month later I I got five bottles of of the Jim Beam um, and then like two or three other bottles and the dude like looked at me a little bit funny and and was just like all right like what is this like but whatever like this is sort of unsurprising because I'll go in there and like spend 30 minutes to an hour, like looking at the different offerings they have, and then just like take, you know, an armload of things up to the counter and just be like, all right, I'll take these. And so, Spencer, before you go, because I imagine you're still searching. No, I've got one of mine, but go ahead. Um, so, Tara, I think both you and I, we, we skipped over shoes, both of us. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. we have no concern about paying, I mean, for me, when I buy like some some nicer leather boots, if it's two fifty three hundred, that's not a problem. Like it's just what I spend um, on on a pair oh, of like night. Even some nice sneakers, boots. I'll pay some. I'll pay two 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 fifty for some sneakers. Um, it 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 doesn't cause me to blush. It just it, that that's the price of it. I have to buy yeah. half these shoes. I feel uh, like it's a weird <laughs> dichotomy between like getting there are a lot of things that I'll just like find an expensive version or on sale like and even stuff that i know all that that i'll use on a regular basis and then just like it's like oh uh i want this whiskey you know it's 100 120 like whatever that, that's the one i want although bj with you I, I imagine your running shoes you don't you, you're not going to cheap out on those right you're going to buy half decent ones you're not going to like you know pay less and trying to figure some something oh, out. oh god no and and it's actually super frustrating because the ones that i really like are previous uh nike version that's really hard to find now because they've updated the style like twice now and mm -hmm. so like i'm constantly browsing online to see if like somebody has <laughs> some like back stock it's 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 bad news spencer you're up one that just came to mind is I will 
almost always pay more for the same product if there's a better customer experience attached. And I think of this mainly in the sense of like grocery stores. Do you guys have Aldi's near you? Yep. Wait, what? Also, I, I want to step back and, and say, like, I really wanted to sh- throw in that, that uh, massage parlor shower experience that, that apparently Florida has. That, that's immediately where table I shower. was hoping that you were going. Table shower, thank you. No, not, that, not, not what I meant. Going you're grocery stores. That's the story I'm telling. I really want to know where you're <laughs> Yeah, here's where he was going. You guys have all these? Yeah. Yeah, we do too. Anyway, I get table showers. <laughs> That's perfect. I like it. Sorry to disappoint, BJ. <laughs> no, but uh, starting with Bridget, I have a, Bridget loves these kind of low-cost grocery stores like Aldi's where you can get all of your groceries for dirt cheap prices and to which you have to pay for your cart and there's nobody ever working the lane and the produce is rotting on the shelves. And You know that when Jesus. you put the cart back, like you get the money back. Yeah, I don't even want to you do are, that because I don't have coins. Slandering okay. Aldi. I don't like Aldi's at all. I despise them as an institution. I despise their all the other grocery stores that are in my area with these new kind of cheap, low-cost stores that are offering a shit customer experience and no options in the produce you get for a cheap price. There are places, and so Aldi sells whiskey in Europe that's apparently won so many awards that that it's kind of unreasonable. That's only in Europe, though. Yeah, that's the Florida Aldi experience is neglect. That is the experience I get when I go to the grocery store. I, I can accept that I can be Florida experience. Maybe true universally there in terms of that word, but I accept that I can get my groceries at Aldi's for sometimes like half the price of what other any other grocery store offer, or even out price competing Walmart now. But I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to wait in a line that goes halfway through the store because there's only one register going. I don't want to have to cull through rotting produce to find something that's halfway decent. I don't want to get a packet of strawberries that Rotting I can cut off right away because otherwise they are going to actively mold on the counter two days after I get them. It's or in the fridge at two days after I get them. So I will, particularly when it comes to food, I will avoid these kind of low uh, low cost stores just to go to a a better quality institution for either its product or particularly its customer service, just because I don't want to have to endure the things that are now expected to go through to get the low price do go through these low-priced uh, equivalent stores. Are you a Whole Foods or Trader Joe's devotee? Because I feel like this could be where it's going. That would just thoroughly amuse me to, like, see you, like, bubbling with, like, the 50-, 60-year-old. I, yeah, you're shaking your head, Lee, and, and I know that that's probably, like, not where it's going. But, like, I kind of want to know where this is actually ending up. What's your answer, Spencer? Trader Joe's is not expensive. It's, it's, no, it's not. It, it is a very reasonably priced for, for a small subset of the things you'd want to buy. Yeah, and I think Levi, Levi's hitting to what my answer is, is that I buy things at different stores. I mean, I'm still cost conscious, but I'll just go to stores like Trader Joe's or Whole Foods or Costco. I buy, buy in bulk from Costco or even learn from you, BJ, and I buy things from Amazon on regular, regular purchase now. You will go to Whole Foods, Spencer? Yeah. Whole Paycheck? Spencer's going to Whole Paycheck? <laughs> it is expensive, but they have a lot of, a lot of good quality goods that we enjoy. Okay. All right. What did you get at Whole Foods? Meats, produce. They do have a pretty good meat. Um, they do have a pretty good butcher section near us. So yeah, that's a good place to get meat. And it's like one of the things I do like to do a lot of purchases at Costco because it is a lot of good food and they actually have a lot of good products. But 
if you try try to buy meat at Costco, you're getting enough to feed an army as part of just their regular portion. I mean, is that like, why you have a four gallon soup pot? It is part of the reason that we have an extra an extra standing freezer across this wall for me, just to fit the various products that we get. What? Your guest room has a. I'm chasing through the wall into the kitchen that is directly parallel to the to, to the guest room. Yeah, Bree, how did you not pick that up? He's pointing through the wall. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but that that would be the experience. That, that would be the thing I would offer. It's just I I know there there are even like subreddits of all these devotees talk about how awesome it is, and I just hate the kind of experience that comes with these just ever, blooming everywhere low cost grocery stores. Spencer, do you have a fresh market near you? We do have a fresh market near us. So I have I right love the fresh market. Yeah, fresh market's great. It's, it's so expensive that it's never crowded. <laughs> that is true. That's very like true. It's, it's, you, there's no line because there's nobody in the store. <laughs> All right, that was a good one, Spencer. Thank you. Okay, anything else you want to cover? I think we've uh, done a pretty good job. I think so, too. I've enjoyed it, fellas. Bree, thanks for joining. Yep. <laughs> Always cool. entertaining. All right, cool. Enjoyed it. This is part two of the weekend on August 20th.